the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity, a radio show and podcast about real faith for the real world. I'm Richard Mendelo, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelo. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, grateful to be here. Friends, if you haven't listened to the show for a long time, if you wonder why I say wedded wingman, it's because Christy and I didn't always used to be married. She I've was, always been a wingman, though. You've always been my wingman, but it was after the show started that we started dating and then uh, ended up getting married. And before that, there was each week uh, an adjective of a wingman, too. Right. Um, very now nice just, ones and very generous ones. Yeah. Now I'm wedded, and that's the best adjective of all. Right. Friends, at the risk of being a downer, it's on my heart today to talk about anxiety. It's a persistent topic in so many of my conversations with people. I feel it from time to time, and I thought we should look at it together through the lens of faith. Up front, I want to clarify that there is such a thing as diagnosed clinical anxiety. It's very serious, and it requires medical intervention. In our conversation today, I am not talking about that. Before we get started, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a troubled world, and there are times for all of us, Lord, when it's easy to be overcome by this world and to feel anxious. Much of what we worry about has to do with this temporary place, and when we take our eyes off you, it's easy to forget that it's temporary. And yet we know that you are a good God, that you are faithful and involved in each of our lives, and that in you we have a safe harbor from the storms of life. Help us, Lord, to be content in your love and your provision. Help us to come together as believers to encourage each other in the truth of your love. And help us, Lord, to focus on eternity with you. We thank you for your many blessings, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So i got a bit of a long story to tell you. Uh, I often say that to people when I'm about to tell them a long story, and I always promise that most of my long stories have a pretty good end. Before your long story, I want to say something. Okay. I'm actually excited to talk about the topic today. Why? Because if you look at it, anxiety, right. it can be an opportunity and a possibility for us to not only learn things about ourselves um, that help us grow but it ultimately can help us draw closer to Christ. Amen. I love it. And as a matter of fact, that's what my story is about. Well, there you go. See, it was a good segue into that. Yes. A segue is one of those things you ride on. 
that it's member. Also, right. We'll ask Mike. It's also a segue into. Right. <laughs> so Christy and I have spent the last couple weekends cleaning out storage. You know, everybody hates that task. You end Ooh, up with all that yes. stuff there. Well, I've been going through ammo can after ammo can. Of course, you would have things in ammo cans. In ammo cans because, <laughs> you know, retired from the Marines. There were always lots of ammo cans to be had. I put all my old letters in them. Letters from friends, love letters, letters from girlfriends. And these go back like almost 40 years because I went away to college. So they started basically when I went away. And for those of you who've lived only with computers and the internet, back in the old days, (laughs) there there was a guy on a horse and you'd give him a letter and he would ride. And in my case, I went to school in North Carolina. So I went to high school in Katy. Uh, And then I went to Duke University in North Carolina, and that's when the letters started. I joined the Marines. So I have ammo can after ammo can of letters and pictures that go with the letters. So you remember in the old days when you would have pictures developed and you would get the little folder, and on the one side it had the negatives, and on the other side it had the pictures? Yes, I do. And concurrently with you, I've been looking through my mom's old letters, and I think that she kept every letter from the time that you could write a letter to the point she died, which spanned 74 years. And I found a ton of pictures too. So very, um, very important work, but we learn a lot of things. So, And we did, God rest her soul. We did. Um, so as I'm reading these letters and looking at these photographs from the past, these faces from my early 20s, What came to me, right or wrong, is that I wish I'd known Jesus sooner. Yeah, amen. I wish I'd known Jesus sooner, and at the same time, I know God's timing in calling me to him is impeccable. Amen. But the reason why I wished I'd known him sooner is because as I read these letters and I saw all those faces, I had the impression that I spent a lot of time with anxiety, So I go from high school to college, and I'm anxious about uh, being successful in college. And I join the Marines, and I'm anxious about doing all the Marine things I'm supposed to. And I'm anxious about, will I get to flight school? And I'm anxious about, will I be able to be a fighter pilot? And, of course, there is money anxieties and all kinds of these local... uh, sometimes small, sometimes bigger worries. And as I looked at these faces, I thought about how if I knew Jesus sooner and I was content in his love, I wouldn't have been so anxious and I would have been able to serve those faces better, to love the faces in those pictures better, to be a better friend, um, uh, a boyfriend when it was appropriate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And what comes to mind, and I don't know if I'm going to make this make sense, but when I heard you talk about the anxiousness about money and if you're going to be a Marine, it was a lot of ifs, but really anxiousness about the future. And so if you had had that relationship with Christ, you would have been more present so you could then, in fact, be how you wanted to be more present with people. That's exactly what I'm driving at. And and one additional point, had I known Jesus then and known more about God and about his love, about the unchanging truth of the Bible and 
about what mattered and what didn't, all of which the Bible tells us, then I wouldn't have needed so much from the world around me. I wouldn't have been so needy. I would have been more content and more secure in who I was in his sight to him and who he is. And so if I didn't have that need, if I was content, then I would have been more able to uh, provide a friendship and ministry to the world. But it was that need. I was trapped in, in like the neediness of my own self-centered little world. And so I'd love to talk about the neediness, but what I hear you saying is we we have this God-shaped hole, as you've probably heard people say. Right. And there's only one thing that can fill it, and that's God. And until we find him, we're trying to fill it with everything else. Well, it's funny that you say that because... As I think back on those days, I think about uh, being lonely a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I think about being anxious about the things I've mentioned a lot of the time. And I think about my efforts to Mm self-medicate those feelings. So maybe I partied too much Mm -hmm. at one point. Maybe I even drank a lot at one point. Um, Not that it's cool or wonderful, just trying to be real. Well, you were trying to numb the the pain of the loneliness by, again, filling that void with something other than God. Yeah, I just wouldn't have been so anxious because at some point you just say, I'm his. Yeah. And this is who he is. You can look at his attributes. And so I'm not making light of the very real worries because... I have been a guy who would wake up at three o'clock in the morning and find something to be anxious about. Uh, Whether it's, are the sprinklers leaking? Uh, Is my car going to start in the morning when I have to leave for the airport at 4.30? And so this is very real and it's very serious, but I'm hoping that we can talk about it and we can say that if we can get out of some of those places by first focusing on God, because you figure, how did we get there? We focused on ourselves. Yeah, well, and that starts probably back in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Y'all remember uh, I was talking about coming back from one of my deployments to Afghanistan, and I was uh, on orders in New Orleans, so my family lived in Atlanta, and I was stationed in New Orleans, and I lived in a hotel and uh, was in kind of a funk, a uh, bit of an anxious place all the time. And the Lord said to me, concern yourself with the needs of others and your needs will be met. And so the reason why I point to my anxiety as a self-centered place is because, as I said to somebody the other day, if you press your face up against this tree that is you and it's your problems and it's your wants and your needs, it's very easy to lose sight of the whole forest. And that tree starts to look huge. But if you back away from that tree, which is you, and the things that you want and the things that you need, then you start to see all the other trees. And so I think that's what happens when we focus outward, when we concern ourselves with the needs of others. Our tree starts to look smaller. It gets very manageable. And then we develop um, the space. Like you talked about earlier, you mentioned you got to create space. So we talk a lot about lenses on this show, looking at 
life, this world through the lens of faith. When if you, if you picture that your face up against that um, window or mirror, or whatever you were just talking about, that's all you can see. Well, it's again like putting on a different pair of lenses. To you've got to be able to see differently, and that can be done through some very tangible and practical steps, just like giving yourself space. Absolutely, and that's another great lead-in. Friends, when we come back from uh, our break, we're going to talk about how the world gets us focused on ourselves, gets us focused on our wants and sometimes what we think are our needs. And then anxiety is often about worrying that we get those needs met, that we have those wants, which are often just ours of our own creation, as opposed to what God wants. And they're often just about right here, right now, as opposed to eternity. And so uh, if you stay with us, friends, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the actual mechanics of it and then how we can take steps to get out of our own brain, to get out of that place and find the contentment that is offered to us in Jesus Christ and then start being the people that we can be so that those around us are better served and blessed by our love. Stay with us. We'll be right back. God's Word says that He loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that part of Scripture often quoted when it comes to tithing. Friends, we'd like you to consider your cheerful giving to God through Courageous Christianity. With your tax-deductible donation, you will be helping us achieve our mission to equip Christian men for the spiritual battlefield in order to glorify God and create godly change. No amount is too small. You can make a donation by texting any amount to 281 800 4940. That's 281-800-4940. Or visit today. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of host Richard Mindelow's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will equip you in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate and find more information about the Courageous Christianity Ministry, links to all the aired shows, a blog for Christian warriors, and an opportunity to submit prayer requests at CourageousChristianity.today. Please donate and be a part of sustaining our efforts in serving our Heavenly Father by serving His warriors on the spiritual battlefield. Please text to donate at 281-800-4940 or visit CourageousChristianity.today. God bless you. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking about anxiety. I think it is a persistent concern for many. I think we read a statistic that said 25% of adults have anxiety. Was that the diagnosis of anxiety, or was that um, feelings of anxiety? Uh, I think it has to do with prevalence, and it's pretty um, detailed. Uh, It says anxiety disorders are the most common of all mental illnesses, the lifetime prevalence of the United States adult population is 28.8%. Okay, so there we're talking about clinical anxiety diagnosed, and that has very specific standards uh, according to the DSM and how persistent it has to be, how serious it has to be, how long 
It has to last at a given time. And we're not talking about that, friends. We are talking about the anxiety that we can sometimes just feel from having too much coffee. Uh, Christy <laughs> and I, happen. <laughs> not making light, but Christy and I quit caffeine. And as a Marine Except for, for today, for 37 years, <laughs> uh, believe me, I'm an expert on coffee and caffeine. And I've been drinking decaf. And then accidentally, I think I had a cup of coffee and I felt jittery and I felt a little strange. We are actually talking about uh, the anxiety that's so easy to feel in this world. And I looked up the definition this morning. It said anxiety is defined as intense, excessive and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. It's often accompanied by a fast heart rate, rapid breathing, sweating, and feeling tired. And according to WebMD, some causes of anxiety are genetics, because anxiety disorders can run in the family, brain chemistry, environmental stress, drug misuse, and underlying medical conditions. It was interesting to note that there was no mention of anxiety that our souls experience when they're not in a relationship hour by hour each day with their creator. And so here the world has taken these steps to separate us from God. Uh, Prayer in school ended in 1962, taking steps to separate our children from God. And now you find out how prevalent anxiety is in kids. And we're separated from God. So then what we do is Until we acknowledge the God component, which this fails to do, we medicate it. And we never actually get to the root of the problem, which, as you said, is a God-shaped hole in our heart. And the self-centered desire to get our needs met. Uh, And by the way, who tells us we have those needs? The The world. world. Yeah. Because if you read the Bible and by personal experience— some of the things the world tells us we need, we don't really need. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, a couple of things come to mind. I used to do a lot of work around needs and needy energy. And it, it, I, me, myself, I was being coached in, in this sort of uh, transformational coaching, if you will. It really opened my eyes to needs. And so I definitely would want to get back to that. But I wanted to come back and share... Um, so you were talking about how WebMD doesn't talk about the God aspect of it. It just right. defines anxiety. Well, folks, I'm like so excited about an association I'm involved in. It's called the Association, um, American Association of Christian Counselors. And I got a book there, and it's called The Popular Encyclopedia of Christian Counseling. And as we were preparing for the show, I found the God aspect included in a psychology book and I so love it. But I wanted to come back to the anxiety disorders that we were talking about and just clarify that we're not confusing the clinical anxiety disorders with the general fear and anxiety, as the book says, experienced by all humans. And so not that I'm normalizing it, but just think about it, the everyday life people have normal fears and anxieties. And if you didn't, there would be something probably wrong, right? So um, So for example, I'm afraid of being injured in a car crash, so I wear my seatbelt. Right. It's beneficial. It's beneficial. That's reasonable. I'm nervous about my job interview tomorrow, so I stayed up late uh, preparing and I'm ironing my shirt. Yeah. 
And so that helps us prepare. There's a book called The Gift of Fear, and I wish I had it today. Uh, but it's really listening to also that inner knowing, that observation, you know, observing the environment of things like the car crash. Well, I've seen this happen before. I know that statistics show if I put my seatbelt on, if I am in a car wreck, then I, there's a propensity that I will be saved, right? And so um, that's that's the better side of it. But I think one thing, talking about the God aspect of it, and I thought it was really interesting they brought this in here, uh, where it started from. And the book says this, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they ran and hid because they what? Were afraid. Fear and anxiety are part of the infection of sin. Fear is a primary motivator towards selfish behavior and is the engine that drives the survival of the fittest instinct. The instinct is known as uh, the instinct is known in scripture as the law of sin and death and is overcome in our lives by Christ's work to restore God's law of love into our hearts. As scripture says, perfect love drives out fear. You when what, have you heard the secular world talk about that when it comes to anxiety? Yeah, and you know what I just heard in there is uh, sin is a scary word to a lot of us yeah. because it's associated with things. But what I think of when I think of sin is separation from God. Yeah. So I do things that are separate from his will, that are separate from what he has revealed to us in scripture that are separate from what is good for me because maybe I did something that's not bad, but I did it too much. And so I made a sin of it. Right. And so I think of being separate from God and Adam and Eve got separated from mm-hmm. God and then they had fear. Right. And um, so I think a lot of the anxiety that we experience is by choice when we make choices to want what we want more than what God wants. We're not living in alignment with that purity that he had for us before Adam and Eve sinned and it separated us. Okay, so if you're out there and you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, that's not fair because I have this feeling, I have these feelings, uh, they're crippling they're crippling. Um, and I didn't do this to myself. It's, it's not a judgment and it's not an attack because as you heard me say, as I'm in storage going through all these letters and looking at all these photographs, um, it's a opportunity to reflect, uh, as we covered two months ago in the, are you coachable series? There is nothing wrong with taking a look inside, not to be preoccupied, not to be self-centered, but to just say, Hey, Am I doing things that are not helpful? Am I doing things that are not healthy? Am I doing things that God says don't do? Because keep in mind, if you're separated from God, the further you are from God, the more you're in the world. And that, to me, is a super scary place to be. Yeah, I think um, what we have to think about is, first and foremost, as we talked about here in the Scripture, it is a part of our nature— uh, not necessarily in the scripture, but that we're going to find things that cause us anxiety and worry in the world. Um, so we're not coming with judgment. We're coming with acceptance of what is and um, our own experiences and our heart to help people through this. I've dealt with it too. I had more social phobias 
And so I um, numbed that in different ways as well. And it was only when, as you're talking about choices, that uh, I got in a good church and I said, it's time for me to quit living like this way. I need to live this way, i.e. the church, got the right people around me, got the right support, started serving others, then did I start really filling that God-shaped hole. Yeah, and it's not necessarily I suddenly take a turn and then I no longer feel this way. Oh, no. What we're saying is do more of these things, do less of these things, and you come to a better place. You get closer to God, you get further from the world. You get further from what the world tells you you need. You get further from what the world makes you think that you want. And I said this on a show a couple months ago when I said, I grew up thinking you had to have a big house and a big car. And truth be told, when I think about the times in my life was I was happiest was when I had the least. I I mean, I'm, I'm, you're going to laugh if I say this, but in Afghanistan, things were very two dimensional, trying to take care of my Marines, do the mission and stay alive. I had a little cot. I had a little sleeping bag. And I had my weapons to keep clean and my Marines uh, to take care. That was it. It was very, and in a lot of ways, I was very comfortable with that. And then you come back to the world and immediately the world is telling you. Keeping up with the Joneses. Well, yeah, you said social. So immediately the world is telling you, you've got to be pretty. You've got to be popular. You got to do this. You got to do that. Well, hello, social media. (laughs) Right. Which keeps us in anxiety. No wonder it's on the rise. Yeah. Think about if it was hard for us. Growing up. How is it for our kids? Yeah. And right now in school, dealing with all that pressure. So I want to make this one point. Dealing with all of that pressure, dealing with the world brings with it this anxiety because you're displaced from God. Right. Remember we said the more you're in the world, the less you're close to God. The closer you are to God, the less you're in the world. Anxiety goes with being in the world as it did for Adam and Eve when they sinned and they experienced fear. Right. And uh, friends, we're going to break again. But if you stay with us, when we come back, I'm going to ask Christy to help us understand the connection between anxiety and anger. Because if you look around, we live in an angry world. A lot of people are very angry, and I think part of the reason might be that we're not willing to do the work to dig below the surface to find out what we're anxious about, to find out where that misalignment is, to find out how we're caving to the world at the expense of our relationship with God, and then ending up in this place of pain and turmoil, and it's not where we want to be, it's not where we're productive, and it's not the best place for us to love the people around us. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mendelow, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit 
freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelo has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She is the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and I'm with my wingman, and we are talking about anxiety Yep. and being anxious. And I think we've all experienced it, whether it was in preparation for something and it actually helped you up your game, or if it was just a persistent feeling of discomfort and unease. Yeah. And sometimes you can't even put a name on it. I remember um, I was visiting my uncle in Philadelphia and I was in the breakfast room reading my Bible like I always am in the morning. And he came in and he said, how you doing? And I said, I'm feeling anxious. And he said, is it a general anxiety or a specific anxiety? <laughs> is there something specific that's bothering you? Good question. I thought it was a great question. And he went and got a pad and a piece of paper and he sat down and he said, okay, what's going on? And so imagine if instead of just feeling those feelings and then reacting, putting us in that place where the world wants us, where we're easily controlled and manipulated and angry and divided, we take it apart a little bit, put our big boy and big girl pants on and say, hey, I feel this general feeling and then I feel this, I'm worried about that uh, job interview, I'm worried about getting this bill paid and then... And you take it apart a little bit so you understand it better. Yeah, it sounds like great coaching. He was a, he's a great coach to ask you those questions and then let's get what's in your head out on paper. And that's a great tool. Oftentimes called like a lot of people refer to it as white space So you, or a brain dump. You get all those thoughts out and you realize what they are, are just thoughts. And then you can start part and parceling them and really thinking through them and asking the question like, is this real? Like, yeah. is do this I care if real? these people like me or not? Right. I don't even like those people. Why do I, I'm worried that they don't like me. But if it stays in the thoughts, we kind of tend to what's called ruminate on them, which is roll them over and over in our heads. And the more that we do that, actually, sci- uh, neuroscience has proven that it makes them more real and and kind of in, um, 
imprints them on us. Who was it? And Stalin, so, who said you either got to tell a small lie uh, once or you tell a huge lie often. Yeah, ultimately, uh, I probably got that backwards, but when you want to get people to believe something that they don't want to believe. Yeah. And the brain's powerful like that. And, and we could go in all of that. But one of the things uh, I know we were going to head into talking about anger. But before we do that, I've mentioned needs a couple of times. You've mentioned needs. And I said I wanted to talk about it. I think one thing we have to understand is that if, if we just look at it in that very practical nature, like your coach uncle was doing, is let's put things down on paper. What is it that uh, I think that I want that I think that I don't have, right? And the key there is I think, yeah, right? And so that's when we're in our heads. And so the work we really need to do is, there's a song that I love and a line is, get out of my head and into my heart. And so what we're doing is rolling around and ruminating on these things that we potentially don't think we, and we have. Gotta, we got to take hold of them, put them down, see, see, see them for they what they are. are. Yeah. Exactly. So what we're talking about here is these needs that we perceive we, we, that we want to get something, these wants. And so by the, the definition of a needy energy is thinking you don't have what you want or you need. So if you got what you wanted or you need, then you wouldn't be in that needy energy. Now, oftentimes what we think that we want or need are things that we don't really want or need. That's why when we put it them, we put them down. <laughs> yeah, it can get a little silly, but when we put them down and look at them um, on paper, we were like, oh yeah, that makes, that didn't make a lot of sense. Well, this is where I just went for a second there. If you've ever watched a two-year-old not get their way. Yeah. I see it a lot on airplanes, and here you watch this little person have this little meltdown because in that they need something or other, right? And then sometimes I see adults behave the exact <laughs> same yeah, way. Exactly. For example, the other no. day, this lady on the airplane was very upset that the overhead bin over her seat was full, okay. and she had a meltdown. And the bin next door was empty. Was empty. <laughs> and so we're laughing, but, but it's, real. it's easy to, yeah. to get in that place and to, to not get your way and to feel like life is doing things to you and, and you're put upon, right? Well, where's the important thing behind it? There's something behind that. Okay. Right? And exactly. so what brings me back is to a, um, a story exemplifying this. Mom is in the checkout line at the grocery store with little kid on her hip. The little child wants a candy bar. Well, she says, no, not going to give you the candy bar. And the kid imputes, well, you don't love me because you're not giving me that candy bar. He perceives, she perceives that I need this candy bar. And because I get this candy bar, I'm going to be loved. So now you've got these different stories that we're telling ourselves to the extent that this a child is saying this, it's this feeling. And so why I want to talk about it, there's always a need behind the need. And so you have to go deeper and it can be very scary. But in fact, what you start doing is kind of talking to your needs. So if there was a need behind this feeling of not the overhead bin being empty, what could that be? Well, 
I need to have my stuff close. Maybe we don't know. That person had had things stolen from her in the past. Right. And so it set off anxiety. And so where we talk about anger, and I'm um, reading and working from a book called Love Slows Down by Joelle Malm. I don't know if I did that justice at all. Um, but how to keep anger and anxiety from running, ruining our life's relationships. And it talks about here is that Anger is just a sign that something needs to be resolved inside of us. Anger isn't bad or sinful. Whenever you feel anger, frustration, or anxiety about what is happening around you, it's always because of something happening inside you. So to deal with anger, you have to learn to look just below the surface of what's going in inside. Anger is a symptom of fear. Anger and fear, parentheses anxiety, are always connected which is why anger speeds up. And this book is talking about how we, when we go into fear and anxiety, there's there's anger around that. And we that might come out as hurting someone, yelling at someone, having the fit like the baby. So if that two-year-old suddenly got really smart and was able to speak really well, then that two-year-old would say, why am I having this meltdown right now? Why am I feeling this way Oh, it's because I want the candy bar. I want the candy bar, but then and then they would, they would ask again, right? Because you know how you, they say you have to ask why six times yes. before you get the real answer. Exactly. So then they would say, "Why do I want the candy bar so much?" And then they would say, "Because then I um, feel loved when my mom gives me the candy. I bar. feel loved and secure." Um, and then you would go into questioning what we were talking about, putting on the paper uh, written down. Is that real? A- am I loved just because I get a candy bar? And you're like, oh, no. Okay. And, and that's a great place to go because if you're listening to this right now, you can say, oh, okay, whoa, we just took a turn to mumbo jumbo town and we're getting all touchy-feely. Hey, 37 years in the Marine Corps. I'm not <laughs> touchy-feely. <laughs> I'm you being are very sweet, real though. about this. <laughs> and, and what's real is you look around you and people are angry. Yeah. And I think a lot of times maybe they feel like I'm a bad person because I'm angry. Maybe they're not even there yet. But either way, you got to start taking this thing apart. We are very complex machines. And if your car wasn't running right, if your car was overheating – You would take it to a mechanic and you'd look under the hood. And all I'm saying is, let's look under the hood. Uh, You're running at high temperature here. You're stuck in first gear. You're feeling a lot of anxiety. Let's see what it's all about because maybe if we take it apart, we'll understand that some of it is what the world put on us. Some of it is what we feel we have to do because it's how we grew up and our parents made us feel that way because they were made to feel that way. What I'm just asking is not to be afraid of lifting the hood up and having a look. And we're with them and we're with you and for you. And to continue on in this book, it it really ties this up and leads us back to God. Uh, When we feel something is threatening us, we kick into a flight or fight response that causes our bodies and our minds to react and and do whatever it takes to confront or run from the fear. But but love drives out fear, which means love is also the solution to your anger. And so, as you're saying, is that anger and fear don't have to ruin our lives. In fact, they can become our allies when we notice them. And then we have some practical tools and steps like 
scripture, like the word. So you can use it as a temperature gauge where you can say, hey, my engine's overheating. Something is wrong. Yeah. Let me see what's wrong. You lift up the hood and then it can get a little bit complex. But if you do it in a a non-threatening way, because if you're going to get to love, you may have to get through some places where you get honest about forgiveness or maybe you have to get honest about feelings of bitterness or resentment or betrayal or maybe you feel like uh, God didn't get you something you want and you really wanted that candy bar that he was going to get you and now you didn't get it. <laughs> now everybody wants candy bars. <laughs> yeah. But it, it also may be, this may be your opportunity, the possibility, maybe God has something for you in this. And so if we can look at things as a learning opportunity and again, going back to what I said before, is the opportunity to draw closer to Christ. Friends, uh, this is so important because here's a story from me. I was deeply in debt in my 30s and 40s. We're talking even my credit cards had credit cards. (laughs) It was a mess. And I prayed to God for help. And when I was thinking help, I was thinking the lottery. And I never won the lottery, but he always made sure I had a second job and a third job. Yeah. And so sometimes we we take things to the wrong place. Sometimes we want what we want, but it's not what's best for us. Like that candy bar is not what's best for that two-year-old. So stay with us. We are going to wrap this up in the final segment. Come on back, folks. Recently, Ryan Reed was a guest on Courageous Christianity, and we want you to know more about his jiu-jitsu gym. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is a place where you'll find good people and great jiu-jitsu. Whether you are training to learn self-defense, to get in shape, looking for a new hobby, or want to compete, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Huntsville, Texas has something for you. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com to learn more and to get your two-week free trial. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com today. Did you know that about 25 million Christians don't vote consistently? That's about one in three Christians, and that's a staggering and unfortunate amount. Many Christians stay home on Election Day because they think their vote won't really make a difference. But what if 90 million Christians stood united for Christ? We could have a real influence on our nation. God's Word clearly calls us to bring the influence of our faith into every aspect of our lives. We here at Courageous Christianity, along with My Faith Votes, want to see Christians boldly standing united for Christ. My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization that mobilizes and equips believers to pray unceasingly, think biblically, and vote in every election. Even though the recent elections have passed, now is the time to join with us and My Faith Votes to pray, think, and vote in all future elections. Go to MyFaithVotes.org to learn more about voting your faith and to stand united for Christ. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking about anxiety. And we're not talking about uh, clinical anxiety, which requires medical attention and the help of counselors. We're talking about that anxiety that we can often experience when we allow unchallenged notions to become part of our consciousness, our world, and as I say that, I'm thinking about all the things that the world tells us, which are garbage, but then we find ourselves uh, in those assumptions, 
in the wants, in the needs, and truth be told, none of it was ours. Uh, I talked a little bit about uh, you grow up, you think you need the big house and the big car, and then in your 30s and 40s, you're massively in debt putting on this show and uh, for everybody, and then you realize, I don't want any of this. Yeah, I same thing. thought I had this big dream of this big monstrous house and these cars and all of that, and I had it all. And that was all put on us. And it was all fake, and it didn't bring any sort of happiness, and it actually increased anxiety. Right. And I think a lot of times for women, it's appearance-related. Oh, yeah. A lot of times for men, it's performance-related. And either way, instead of uh, relating to one another in loving, supportive, aware ways, basically the devil's just pushing us around. And until we take the time to stop and say, hold on a second, I don't want to be an angry person. Why do I feel angry right now? Or hold on a second, I feel anxious. Why do I feel anxious? And then do like my uncle did. Is it a specific anxiety or is it a general anxiety? And I'm huge on journaling. So I really think writing this stuff down sometimes helps you to identify it. Probably the second or third most important thing to do um, next to reading scripture. Yeah, because it's kind of like I used to get money from the ATM. And I don't know if you know uh, if this has happened to you. But five minutes later, the money's all gone and you don't know what happened to it. (laughs) And so what I would do is I would write down on the back of the ATM receipt where I spent my money. So it's Friday afternoon. I go to the ATM. I get $20. And then at the end of the weekend, I'd probably know where it went, you know, plus or minus a a couple cents, right? Right. And I'm saying the same about this. We're complex machines and we're feeling a certain way and we can take note of those feelings without thinking I'm a bad person because I'm angry. You could actually say, wait a second, I'm, I'm a good person and I want Jesus to be the center of my life and I want to be the way he says I should be. So right now, this feeling that I have, let me take that apart a little bit because it's not me and it's not who I want to be. Well, I've got to go back to the, and we talk about it a lot, but the think-feel-act cycle. And, and so you're talking about these feelings, but we have to understand that there is, even if it's a millisecond prior to a feeling, you have a thought. And so you get those feelings out on paper. That's why journaling works. Then, the, then you can see what you're thinking in a way when you write that out. And you're like, right. oh, that's not true. Like the ATM receipt. Did I really need right. to spend... $10 on chewing gum at Blockbuster. Well, yeah. I'm just going to go get uh, cable and that would be cheaper. <laughs> I, honestly, that exact thing happened to me when I realized after four weekends of renting movies, I was spending most of my money there and I could have every cable channel for half the price. I think it's the same thing when you write down these different things Absolutely. and then you challenge your notions and you say, okay, I feel that uh, I am not good at this. And then you say, well, why do you feel that way? And and I mean, you do a science experiment on yourself. Well, even before you go to why, why can be a really scary question for people because they really can't tap into that. Uh, and, and so one of the questions when you're writing that down is to say, is that true? Because we can tell ourselves stories that something is true. I mean, think about it. How how many times have you thought something that was absolutely true, then it turned out not to be true because that's how you were thinking. 
And that gets to a really important place. I want to challenge you on this. We can be in the habit of being anxious. We can be in the habit of being angry. We can be in the habit of tumbling down this hill. And then we have to stop for a second and we have to say, wait a second. Is this what I want? Is this healthy? And do I want to keep being this way? Do I want to be this way tomorrow? Otherwise, you got to do an intervention. And it's not just a way of being. There is actually brain science that proves our habits. And so if it's if it's put into a habit, it can be changed into another habit. And it, it's a longer conversation than we have time for right now, but neuroplasticity. And you can rewire your brain for a different habit. And so if your habit is anger, you can do the work we're talking about, and channel it, so to speak, another direction. I like it. So uh, I don't want to leave you without offering some things that might be helpful. I read that article, and it talked about um, things that help physical activity. I know I have trouble slowing the world down unless I'm working out. Healthy diet. Christy's going to say hydration. Uh-huh. Um, that's her so favorite thing. If else. anything happens to me, she says, drink water, <laughs> uh, getting regular sleep and then doing relaxation exercises. And then there was also the study that, uh, talked about, uh, meditation, but in this example, nothing pointed to go to God first. You're separated from him. You're stuck in the world. The world is telling you these lies. These lies are hurting you. Go to God. Go to his nature where he reveals himself in the care he takes with flowers and trees. Be under his sky. Walk on his grass and see how loved and cared for you are. And then ask yourself if those things the world's telling you uh, that you need are really what you need. And I think uh, the answer will be easier to say no. You had something real quick? Yeah, there are actually studies. You didn't find that on Google, but in this particular book that I was talking about, the Christian book um, for counselors, there are actually studies that have chosen have shown that adults, when they meditate on Scripture, uh, parts of their brain grow, the healthy parts that are related to altruistic love, compassion, empathy, and sympathy. I like it. That sounds like the truth, and it brings us to our moment of truth. As you know, in every show, we look at a scripture which informs our discussion. Today, our moment of truth comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. And I want to interrupt myself and tell you that if you need a place to go in the Bible to begin your reading, to take a break, to get in touch with God's love, Philippians chapter 4 is a brilliant place to start. There's one verse in there which says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is. You're going to put me on the spot. I'm not good with repeating scripture. (laughs) I just love it because it basically says whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think think about these things. And so in. Uh, turning to God to get away from the worries of the world and our anxiety. Go to Philippians chapter 4. I was having trouble one day, so I memorized that verse, and now I say it all the time. But our moment of truth is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, and they say this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. So friends, as we're talking about anxiety, we're talking about living in a world which cultivates fear because fearful people are easier to control and manipulate. We're talking about living in a world which points us toward materialism, external validation, and everything that's temporary. And I think many of us have feelings of anxiety from time to time. And my question would be, wouldn't you? Yeah, I do. And so speaking for myself, when I allow the world to pull me away from a minute-to-minute conversation with God, I often feel anxiety. And then as I reconnect... I feel myself coming into the safe harbor of God's love. So amazing. And it is amazing. And it's there that I feel protected from the storms of life that are real and the ones that I've created in my mind. Key. <laughs> Absolutely. So here's my point. We are not citizens of this world. We're spiritual beings. We're meant to be with the Father. I read today that all religions have a view of the afterlife with the Creator. He's placed that need in us. So can you imagine how excited the devil would be to convince a spiritual being that he's nothing more than a slave to the earth? Mm. Man, doing his job well. Absolutely. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, put it like this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Paradise. So, anxiety about the things of this world is misplaced, and Mark Twain said it in a funny way, as he always does. He said, I've lived through some terrible things in my life, some of which have actually happened. And so I think it's easy to borrow trouble and to slide into a habit of worry and anxiety. And if that's true, then it's also possible to slide out of that habit as Christy said. Friends, if we focus on our relationship with Jesus genuinely and deeply, thinking of him in all his love and kindness and strength, we will need less from the world. We'll need less from family, we'll need less from friends, and we'll need less from our pursuits, whether it's work or hobbies. And we would need less because in him we're more content. And in that contentment, we would be able to be so much more for those around us, the contentment we would feel in trusting God and developing the awareness that you're not of this world and having confidence in God's plans, which are these. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Amen. And that's courageous Christianity. Amen. So friends, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for joining Christy and me. We hope you'll join us each and every week. God bless and Semper Fi. Yeah, 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.